morning. Welcome to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted this morning. I've been waiting for I've been waiting for this conversation ever since uh I knew Robert Reardon was coming on. So let me tell you a little bit about him. So uh Rob is a former international securities lawyer and a current psycho- psychologist. Uh he holds a law degree from NYU School of Law and a doctorate in clinical psychology from Rutgers University. He trained at Bellevue and completed his postdoctoral training at the University of Pennsylvania Health System. Uh, he maintains a private practice in New York City and Connecticut. He has worked clinically with over 100 couples with a specialty in high-conflict couples and couples in crises. He has over 15 years of experience as a couple, th- a couple therapist. And so, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Robert, what in the world is immersive couples therapy? What is that? So imagine, so what we've done is we have uh, created a bubble and we invite the couples into the bubble. Um, The majority of couples will come to us midday on Friday and they stay with us until the end of the weekend. And the, the house, the space belongs to them and the therapist will travel to and from them on Friday, Saturday and Sunday and work in what we call immersive or marathon sessions on each of those days. So it's couple therapy, but freed from sort of the traditional time constraints that we you know we're familiar with the 60 minute, you know, uh, 60 minutes a week model. Wow. So this couples have to be willing to want to put themselves through this. Cause I would imagine Robert, if you say a weekend to get 13 weeks in, you have to be willing to like be bare quickly. <laughs> uh, well, well, actually it's it, yes and no. I mean, I think you have to be willing to work hard for sure. I mean, you're going to be thrown in the pool. There's a lot of feeling. There's a lot of movement. But unlike, you know, a traditional couple therapy session where you kind of have to flip the switch and get to it because, you know, you're on the clock. I think that, you know, we offer kind of a softer landing for people, like the opportunity to sort of, you know, wade into the water um, and, you know, get connected with the feeling that we need to sort of, you know, access in order to see change. Wow. Okay. So, so what kind of couples do you see? I, I, I would imagine if it's crises or high conflict, this is not, this is not simply, uh, he left the toothpaste on, you know, the toothpaste cap on the sink and didn't close it or you know he Uh rolls the toilet tissue the other way like this is some what give me some examples of high conflict uh uh couples well i mean to to answer the question though we do see a variety of couples not everyone is necessarily in crisis we see you know couples that have made a commitment to get married and they want to make sure that kind of you know they they've flipped over every stone and articulated you know, all of the assumptions that they're proceeding down the road on. We see couples that, you know, are highly invested in the success of their relationship. And so they have some fine tuning to do. And then, of course, we see couples that, you know, um, are, are, in, are in crisis. And, and obviously, the, the easy example there is usually infidelity. Um, when couples are facing infidelity, I think, you know, we are a good match for them because, you know, they can, as opposed to having to work on it over a long period of time, they can confront it and get their bearings back in in a, in a relatively short period of time, um, you know, before they settle into probably the weekly work that will follow. So, so when these high conflict couples, crisis couples come to you, 
do they do they come and say we just want to sort our feelings out because we know we want to get divorced or we think there's something here to be saved and we want to get some tools to do it like what what's the do you have an outcome when they walk in the door I think that the answer is actually in between the two. I think they're coming because they don't know the answer to that question. I think that they wouldn't be coming if there still wasn't a desire to see if they could get to the other side of the crisis. But I think when they show up, part of the reason why they need this structure and this guidance is because they're lost and they don't know, you know what is possible. And oftentimes they don't know really what their partner is, is hoping for. So part of the experience is kind of, you know, like, you know, laying it all out, put all the, you know, puzzle pieces out and then try to put everything back together. And so I would imagine, uh, Robert, that when people sign up for this, um, there's got to be some rules of engagement. Like, do you know what I mean? Like nobody could leave or slam the door, or walk out like, oh, I mean, you all, I mean, you always have the will to sort of leave, but to, I'm, I would imagine that there's some ground rules to this. The ground rules, actually, it's it's none of the above. I mean, people will feel, you know, they feel whatever feelings. We ask them, obviously, part of the being in the bubble is staying in it. If they need a break, if they need to vent, so be it. The rules of engagement are really about respect. It's about sort of, you know, like respecting your partner, you know, not belittling him or her, like, you know, allowing them to speak, to say what they need to say. Um, you know, and then then there are just very fundamental, you know, couple therapy sort of, you know, rules where, you know, couple therapy does not really work when you're dealing with someone with an active addiction because too much of their energy is, is focused on the addiction. We do not work with couples that are actively where one of them is actively involved in a relationship with another party and not willing to sort of cut it off and work on this relationship. Um and so, yeah, but in terms of your question about people, you know, feeling their feelings, no, it's it's actually a, a perfectly, you know, uh, perfectly fine spot for people to do what they need to do. Mm. So, so Robert, when you meet these couples, do you have a sense of how this is going to go just by interacting with them and talking with them? That's a great question. Um, but yes, I'll be honest. I have a hunch and I think that it, and largely it, it has to do with you know, like openness, like when people come and even if they're, you know, very lost or sort of need guidance, if they are open to, you know, to learning, to trying something new, to, you know, taking a risk, then, you know, we have very good outcomes. We have very good outcomes. In fact, we have very good outcomes generally in couple therapy with couples that don't wait too long. I mean, usually the hardest couple to work with is not the high conflict or not the you know, couple that's engaged in certain behavior. It's the couple that's waited far too long to seek help. Mm. And so, so they've got a whole bunch of time with things festering, unresolved, unspoken about baggage, right? I would imagine. Right. Well, if you think about it, I mean, we imagine when we see a couple fighting that that's a bad thing. In fact, it's not bad because what it means is they're in the game. They care. And the problem with many couples, the challenge with many couples that wait too long is the feeling is no longer there. And so oh. that we cannot necessarily go and resurrect feeling that has sort of died on the vine. If we have a lot of it and it's messy, that's perfectly fine. Oh, I see. So, so you get a couple that's indifferent to each other, or they're one of somebody's indifferent. That means they've already checked out. Like they've already... Yeah. Oh, wow. Those, those 
are those are the those are the tough cases to work with for sure. Yeah. And so do you say that to them? Do you say, listen, listen, this is what I see. Do you mm -hmm. say that? I do. I mean, I'm a pragmatist. I think that, you know, people come to couples therapy, you know, because they want results, they want movement. And I feel like part of our job, our job is not to save the relationship. It's really to sort of, you know, translate the process of where they are and what they're going through. And I mean, very rarely, but, but yes, indeed, it does happen that, you know, like there are certain couples for whom, um, you know, the, the healthiest uh, thing to do seems to move on. Mm. And we can certainly assist and help and support in that process. Now, Robert, are there ever couples that you're like, no, we can't, we can't help you. <laughs> do you ever do that? Do you ever, are you that, do you, do you get to sort of, or do you, do you always think that you could help anybody? Any couple? I think, I honestly don't think I've met a couple that I think, no, we can't help you. I think that, you know, every couple looks differently. One of the things that's very important to us to underscore is you know, there's no one right way to be in a couple. And so therefore, we have to meet the couple where they're at. And we have to honor what it is they want from their relationship. Um, and and once we do that, you know, we can get couples movement. Um, so I know, I don't think that there there's a couple that we can't assist, um, as long as really, as long as they're open. Wow. Wow. Now, do you get couples who come back a second time? It's like, but you know what? Five years later, 10 years later, you know, eight days later. I mean, do you get do you get repeat customers? We get people, which is actually lovely, checking in with us to sort of let us know how they're doing. Um, you know, once in a blue moon, I did it over the weekend. I met with a couple that I had seen, you know, maybe two years ago. And it was really just to check in about, you know, how much movement they got and how, you know, you know, of course there's still things on their list they want to work on, but you know, the foundation is there, the the skills to be able to tackle whatever's coming, you know, inevitably coming down the pike, um, you know, uh, is there. And so they were they were doing they were doing beautifully. Mm. OK, yeah. so let me let me just switch gears a little bit. So you you're an attorney, an mm -hmm. international securities attorney, and then mm -hmm. you go you go get this whole doctorate thing in psychology. Yeah. <laughs> so I know yeah. there's a I'm sure there's a backstory to this. And then. <laughs> And then, and then you start this practice where you do this uh, immersive repair. So what, how did you get here? How did you get here? So, I mean, the, the truthful answer in terms of the shift from law to psychology was really as simple as it just took me longer to kind of grow up and figure out what I wanted to be. Um, I went right into law school out of college. I practiced for 10 years. And during those years, I got to know myself better. I figured out what was important to me. So I, I did a reset. Um, but in terms of the, the couple's work, you know, I don't know if this is a fair statement, but a lot of my friends who are psychologists have said they do not like working with couples. People do not like sort of being in the presence of like, you know, conflict and, and a lot of big, potentially negative feeling. It just doesn't bother me. In fact, mm. I... I you know, kind of admire the couples for being willing to sort of, they love each other so much, they're willing to sort of fight, you know, to get to a better place. And there's a lot of dynamics going on in the room when you're working with a couple. So it's it's very, it's full on, very engaging. And so, you know, I, I'm quite surprised this is where I ended up, but couple therapy is a very good match for me. 
And and so not just couple therapy, but this immersive relationship repair. I mean, this is a very defined, specific thing. So yeah. is, was this your idea? Like how, when you were sitting somewhere with somebody and said, you know what they need? They need a weekend of immersive repair. <laughs> no, no, no. This idea, the idea of like a couple retreat is not, it's not a new idea. What is, what's unique about our idea? So for instance, you could go on a couple retreat and you could, you know, spend time with a bunch of other couples. And our, our idea is different in that we only work with one couple at a time and we literally have created the bubble. So we're not asking them to travel to our office. Like when they show up on Friday, if they so choose, they can stay and it's a beautiful waterfront property. They can stay in this beautiful space. And it really is designed to promote them sort of cutting off from the world and orienting to each other. And that plus kind of not looking at the clock, you know, pulling people who have these demanding lives into a different space, um, it works. It just works. Um, you know, people got, get an opportunity to sort of reconnect with that original commitment, that original promise that they made to each other, you know, even if fleetingly, so as to give themselves hope that they can sort of, you know, fight and work toward a better place. And so when they leave the weekend, I guess they I would imagine they leave with a whole set of new tools and mm -hmm. how to communicate. And so does the does the care continue? Like after the week of immersive repair work, are, are you still accessible? Do you still see them one on one? Do you, you mm -hmm. know, is it just the weekend and it's over? And no, 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 part of the process is, you know, so before we meet them, we do a remote intake. So we so we have a very clear sense of what the weekend will look like for them. And then we create, you know, a blueprint, which is essentially helping a couple, you know, like understand like their particular dynamic, you know, how they communicate, how they get into trouble, how they can get out of trouble. And then we set some, some goals for them and we check in and have, you know, a follow-up session a month later. Um, you know, on occasion, you know, couples, um, will you know ask maybe one of the parties would like to sort of do some some work exploring a particular topic in individual therapy and you know to the best of our ability we'll try to accommodate them and support the couple by doing some individual therapy so but yes we are we are available to them and uh you know we encourage them to check in with us for sure so robert reardon what is it about this that you like so much and does this feel like your your ministry your calling i mean do you feel uh, like this is this is what you should be doing with your time in your life? I love that question. I am extremely surprised at the fact that, you know, this is, you know, where I've landed, given the law jobs, given the different populations and psychology I've worked with. And I think part of it is like, you know, um, it's the work. It's so valuable. It's so important. You know, the quality of a couple and their relationship and, you know, it, it affects everything around them, their health, their family, their children, their parents. And so I think it reverberates. And so, you know, I, I most certainly think this is critically important. And I love my job. So I think I will I will use use that as sort of an indication that, yeah, this is what I should be doing. I feel so how lucky. Do you, how do you keep yourself sane in all this? Like, how do you how do you hold yourself sacred while you're listening to other people unload, unpack, 
mm-hmm. all their their issues and crises and trauma and all that kind of stuff. How do you do that? And how do you? And, and I would imagine I don't know, but if you're in a relationship, how do you hold your relationship sacred in the midst of seeing other people's breakdowns? Well, I think the part of the reason I love my job is I'm constantly learning. So first of all, I get exposure to such a diverse population of people. So I'm learning about particular things about the way they live or what they value or what they want for their relationship. And so even in the midst of all the chaos, I'm learning, you know, and and certainly hopefully growing and, and hopefully bringing that back to my own relationship. Um, you know, in terms of one of the things I think most, you know, clinical psychologists become proficient at is being boundaried. You know, I, you know, I'm not like a particularly anxious person. It took a while for the couple to get to this place. It's going to take, you know, some, some reps to kind of, you know, get to a better place. Um, but the key is being willing to get in there and talk about what needs to be talked about. And sometimes it's very, you know, it's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's not an easy conversation, but, but it's meaningful and it, it actually creates change. Mm. I like that. So now are, you, are your friends, because, you know, I have, I have friends who are therapy, therapists, and, uh, and, you know, there's a moment when you're always thinking, are they, are they looking at me? Are they, <laughs> are they, what are they, what's going on? Is there some analyzing going on here? Which, yeah, yeah. which is, which is nice, actually. I mean, do your friends feel that way about you? That I, that I, uh, let me say this. My partner will sometimes, uh, you know, give me the, you know, don't, don't therapize me. There might be a time when somebody needs to just have a meltdown without any other, any other <laughs> words to it. Just like I'm having a meltdown. That's it. <laughs> And listen, as long as it's it's paired with communication, right? Like, let me, like, you know, what are we doing here? Are we melting down? Are we fixing? Are we venting? <laughs> Just tell me, and and I'm I'm good with that. Okay, okay, yeah. I like that. I like I like that. I like that. So, um, do you think every couple should have some kind of th- therapeutic, uh, experience, relationship wise, mm. couple wise? Um, no, no, I think that, you know, one of the things about, you know, I mean, I've, I've been in couples therapy, you know, I think one of the things about, you know, using a couple therapist is when we're in it, when we're in the midst of it, it is very hard for us to sort of, you know, maintain some degree of objectivity. And so allowing, you know, a third party into the dynamic is probably the most like efficient thing to do. And, I think, and, and and that's a general statement. There's couples that perhaps are quite good at it and who will not make their way to couple therapy. But I think for most of us who are sort of navigating a lot of the demands of sort of modern living, you know, it's very easy to kind of, you know, get off track and, you know, uh, sort of a professional can help us reorient. Um, I have couples that, you know, a handful of couples that come to therapy because it's the thing that keeps them in a good place. Mm. And therefore, you know, a lot of this is about, it's not about crisis only. It's about sort of valuing, you know, what the space can do for the couple. And, you know, we think about it, he, you know, let's take a heterosexual couple. He needs to be attended to, she needs to be attended to, and the relationship itself needs to be attended to. So, you know, we joke, this is like going to the gym for your relationship. Oh, I love that. That's very good because people can relate. That's a relatable thing. 
and then it, it makes it real and makes sense for people. So, mm -hmm. so what do you do, Robert, when you have a couple and one is resistant to therapy and, and one is desperate for therapy? So what we do, particularly like in the retreat space, is we ask for the opportunity to engage the resistant parties sort of separately before the, the experience begins wow. to get a very good sense of what, you know, that the, that individual is struggling with. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of misconceptions about what, you know, what happens in couple therapy. And I think one of the anxieties is I think people fear there's going to be a lot of blaming. And it's very important to explain to people that, you know, that's not that's not how this works. Like you, you know, as we say, there's a million ways to be in a successful couple. Like you are going to tell us how you want to be in your successful relationship. Our job is to help you get there. Mm -hmm. And right. so and so what do you do, Robert, when when clearly you see couples jockeying for you to pick a side? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, that's where experience comes into play. I think, you know, early, early on, I think, you know, very young couple therapists will sort of be swayed and, and they're sort of, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, uh, keeping score. And then when you sort of step back and sort of, you know, let's say outgrow that and you look at the couple and meet them where they're at and think to yourself, wow, they are, they're doing the best they can in this moment. Right. And we're not going to sort of judge, you know, how good is that? It's just the reality of how they're showing up. It's very easy to sort of remain in the middle because both both parties have a very valid point of view. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, go ahead. Finish. You have more to say I'm, on that. I was thinking a lot of, you know, it's not uncommon that one party comes into therapy with more of a um, self-help or psychology sort of vocabulary. So, you know, they may present themselves as the one who knows, you know, and, and therefore they kind of are suggesting like, fix this guy over here and we'll be all better. <laughs> and it, it, that doesn't really work because obviously everything that's going on in a couple is being co-created and therefore, you know, a, a conscious or unconscious, we are contributing to every interaction with our partner. Mm. Mm. So, Robert, do people come to you and say, uh, you know what, I don't know if I need therapy, but I just, I'm feeling some kind of way in this relationship. I don't feel like my needs are being met or I'm not being heard or seen or, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't want to leave this, but I think there's something. Like, when do people know uh, or when do you suggest people get therapy? When do you suggest that they make a call? Oh, I, I mean, I'm a very big believer in people trying everything they can at home. I mean, for some people, you know, reading works, but unfortunately, it usually tends to be just one half of the couple that's sort of, you know, sort of dipping into that. I mean, I think once, you know, all communication has sort of broken down and that a couple just cannot find sort of a middle ground or sort of a way to sort of make sense or understand each other. And then, of course, you know, it's not uncommon if one of the partners is unresponsive for the for the partner to sort of fantasize about, you know, what else is out there, what else is possible. And, you know, I would suggest that when that starts to happen, like people really start to think about, you know, getting a professional involved, you know, because we don't want that thinking to wander too far. We want to, you know, turn it into an expression of needs 
and turn it back to the partner and ask them to, you know, ask them to give you uh, what it is that you need. Mm. Uh, do, you, do you ever get the sense that uh, people think that couples therapy is a kind of luxury that they can't afford? Um, I think I think that's fair. I think that a lot of people, you know, when you think about all the demands that people are navigating and all the things that people need to put financial resources toward, I think that many people, you know, keep pushing it down the list. Um, and and just as I said, you know, it's it's for me, I think it's just so foundational. I mean, when a couple is out of alignment, the family's out of alignment, you know, the kids are sort of um, impacted um you know with all the research we now know about you know people living longer when they're in healthy relationships um i just think that you know um my wish would be people would sort of reconceptualize it not as a luxury but just sort of as a resource we we don't keep people in couple therapy for a moment longer than they need to be there right mm -hmm. this isn't about sitting around on a couch talking about you know your childhood it's getting in there getting to work figuring out the problem and getting back out into the world. Hmm. And so, you know, we're in this age now where um, the, the uh, you know, the, the LBTQ com community plus community, um, non-binary, uh, all kinds of folks are in all kinds of relationships. Do you mm -hmm. see all kinds of folks in all kinds of relationships? I do. I do. I, I've seen, yeah, I'm, I, I think I've seen most configurations. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why it's important to sort of, you know, you follow, you know, their lead. People will make a decision about, you know, what kind of relationship it is that they want. And yeah, I mean, we do couples therapy, we do everything. There's a couple I'm working with now to navigate the rules of an open relationship. You know, I'm, I, I could go on and on, but, you know, uh, polyamorous couples, um, really, you know, we meet the couple where they're at as long as they can express you know, get in touch with and emotionally express what they need from this relationship. And we can work on, on you know, do everything we can to get those needs met. The kind of, you know, configuration of the couple um, is of secondary importance. Mm, that's interesting because this is, I mean, we're in a very unique time where people are trying to be open and affirming and they want the communities around them to be open and affirming. And so does that, does that cause you to sort of stay on top of the, the ever-changing landscape of relationships? Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, and so how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, I mean, part of it is, again, being educated by patients. I mean, a lot of stuff, you know, is sort of, you know, brought into the therapy room and, and people will sort of educate you about the way they see the world. And, you know, I think... Uh, for instance, like working with queer people, like, you know, like even under that sort of label, what people want for themselves and want for their relationships is even quite different. So, you know, while, you know, it's important to remain abreast of sort of what is happening or the latest terms or the latest, you know, what, what people are getting up to on social media, you know, fundamentally, you know, it will be the the meeting, the initial meeting with the the potential clients that is going to educate you about the, you know, what it is that they want for themselves and for their romantic life. Mm, mm. Now, so so Robert, do you see um, couples who are about to get married, like pre-marriage couples, like folks who are like, you know what, we're about to get married, and yeah. you know, there's some things we want to work on or set some foundation for. Do you see? Do you see those folks too? 
We do. In fact, this summer we we saw quite a number of them, and you know, it's it's a very nice experience because you know one of the things that many couples don't think about is their relationship. They've been sort of navigating this. You know, I like you, you like me. Are we? Aren't we? That a lot of questions haven't been addressed head on. There's a lot of assumptions that have been made, and so you know, the retreat is an opportunity. To really kind of you know articulate all the underlying assumptions that the couple is operating on, and you know you know send them on their way feeling even more secure in their relationship to each other because all the stones have been flipped over and and we've kind of we've gone there. Mm. Yeah, it's wow. it's a very a lovely experience, and it's something that you know I would wish for most um, couples getting married because. It only fortifies the the you know the bond they have. I like that. I I was I was just wondering about that because I would imagine that would be just so such a good foundation for people to launch from when they mm-hmm. are uh, making that step to forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and as you know, as we know, like you know, when you're young, you probably are hyper focused on on now or the next twelve months. And so part of what we are doing is helping them look farther down the road to, you know, things that we can predict are going to happen in the life of a couple and sort of, you know, start just, you know, getting a sense to make sure that they're they're allied in kind of the the view that they have that or the assumptions that they're bringing to the decision making. Mm, mm. So so before I let you go, uh, um, and I, I've enjoyed this conversation very much. Uh, run through one more time about when should people make the decision? Like when, when should be the moment where somebody says, you know what, uh, we're in trouble here, or I, I don't think we're in trouble, but we might be in trouble. Uh, we need to probably make a phone call. Let's just make a phone call and see somebody. I mean, it's a, it's a great question. I think the answer, it always has to be about like not intellectualizing it, but feeling. When that feeling comes, when you feel lonely, when you feel neglected, when you feel, you know, like and maybe, you know, like angry, but, you know, you just sort of are like, I'm, I'm putting all of my energies into trying to reach this person and none of it is working. Like, you know, I need assistance sort of, you know, bridging the gap or restoring the communication or navigating the conflict. Um that's when I would pick up the phone. Yeah. I'd say I'm not head. It's just a very, it's a very individual decision, right? And so it has to be based in someone's sort of feelings. And, uh, you know, there are certain people who are, are much, much more able to sort of let things roll off them. There's people for whom this hurts them greatly, sort of conflict or, you know, neglect. So everyone is different. And so I, to come back to a, a, a question you had asked, I encourage people, pick up the phone, call the couples therapist, explain where you're at. You know, you could talk about being ambivalent. So you could talk about not being sure it's time. Um, no one's going to try to drag you into it. We're, we're all, you know, we're all quite busy after the pandemic. And therefore, <laughs> um, you know, get an objective viewpoint about, you know, you know, is there sort of material to work with? And is this an individual issue? Is this a couple issue? And if it's a couple issue, is your partner willing to sort of lean into the process? Hmm. Well, I appreciate this conversation very much, uh, Robert Reardon. I've learned a great deal 
uh, about a uh, couple couples and couples going into therapy. And should I ever get coupled again? I might have to give you a call. Keep us in mind. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. And good luck in the practice. I, I, I hope you come on again. Please take care. Thank you. Thank you. Take good care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. That was a good conversation, Harry Droz. Did you learn something, Harry Droz? I felt like I did. I felt like I did. Uh, so I had to get the question in, Harry, about does he take a side? Because, you know, because well, I know you, you all, I know you all about that side thing. <laughs> you know, I'm over here my first day back, and I'm being, there's an onslaught of people talking to me over here. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, so I didn't get to hear everything. I'm going to have to go back. They got to go back and listen because it was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed him very much. So what did he say about taking sides? No, he doesn't. He's he's mature enough that he doesn't get into that. <laughs> Wait a minute, that that makes no sense. <laughs> he's on the side of health. He's on the side of health and wellness. <laughs> no, you you know when somebody's right, they're right. <laughs> okay, Harry. Uh, uh, you you got his you got his thing. You might. You might need to get yourself into a couple of things <laughs> by your damn self. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm like, if if a therapist can't state the obvious, then then I might as well be in therapy by myself. <laughs> yeah, you you yeah, you go on and work on that issue because I, I don't want to see Karen. I don't want to see Karen locked up for pushing you down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean when we tried it, I mean we we tried it. I don't know how much it worked, but you know we we were going through a lot of problems back then. Well, it must have worked because you're you're almost fifty years in, so you know forty well, you know, years in. We, uh, I think we, I especially took the stubborn hard route. Didn't want to hear much advice from anybody, especially what you know. Like I, like I was stating my state of mind there when I say, I want a, a person to say, you're right, because that's what I wanted. I wanted affirmation that I was the one, you know, in the right, in, the, in, in our issues, but it doesn't work that way. Nope. So, you know, I'm fully aware it doesn't work that way because it didn't work that way. When I, was... <laughs> I know from experience, <laughs> I can tell you it didn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was uh, Robert Reardon, and uh, that was a good conversation. So tomorrow, Harry, uh, I've got a guest tomorrow. Karen, Karen Droz's folks, the domestic uh, violence walk folks are coming on tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I know. I, I sent out the invite today, the Zoom info. So. Oh, you did? Oh, so I didn't have to do it. You did it? <laughs> I did it. <laughs> You know, I, I uh, this morning I got a reminder, um, and it wasn't on my phone or anything. It was in my ear. Make oh. sure you send that invite and all that. So, oh, good, 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 good. If they have a flyer, Harry, make sure they send you send you the flyer if they got a flyer yeah. about it. And because uh, I, I would imagine people from domestic violence are going to come on, so we can have that conversation because it's uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month too. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those issues that for me it seems to get swept under the rug. Oh, it <laughs> does. Know? 
It's it like does. there's so much, especially during COVID, there was so much. I know. Because people couldn't get out the house. Could they couldn't get away from they had no place to go. There's no other place yeah. they could be. So so yeah. So yes, yeah, yeah, so I'm looking yeah. forward to that conversation tomorrow was, at 10 15. It was literally sleeping with the enemy when you Yeah, you know, I know. COVID. Bye. All right. I'm out. I'll be back tomorrow, good people. Thanks, Harry. Welcome right. back. See you tomorrow. You listen to Love Bad's Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home. Your home for community radio. Cue music.